This is Off the Break Podcast, presented by Silver Screen Insider. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Off the Break Podcast. I'm Kyle in the hosting chair, and joining me is my good buddy, Eric. Hello. How's it been? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was kind of another slow week, slow news week, but it tends to happen when Cody's not here. <laughs> you know, maybe it's just because the phone's not ringing as much, but she she picks the best uh, <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we've got we've got some a couple good things to talk about today. Yeah, I think um, we got some juicy stuff for everyone to listen to. But I mean, the biggest news probably is going to be I saw Joker last night. I know I understand you wanted to, but something came up, so you couldn't quite make it. Yeah, I I was not able to. I will tonight. My reactions will come at some point soon. Yeah, no, hopefully, I'm, I'm really curious to see what you think. Yeah, because after what you've told me, I'm definitely going to be very curious about what you thought. Yeah. So like, I guess when I think back on the Joker or on Joker, I was sold on the trailer, the first teaser, um, as I think a lot of people were. Uh, yeah, myself included. You know, the cinematography Very was surprised. there. Joaquin looked great in the role. Just the overall, the tone, the feel of it all was kind of, it was dark. It was a little artsy. It was, you know, very unexpected, especially from DC. And then I kind of was even more intrigued after the next trailer. And then it debuted at Venice and it won the top prize there. So people were like, holy crap, this is like a legit awards contender. This movie is this like like not just a great superhero movie but like a great great movie and then it the whole incel shooting controversy kind of gained or reached a peak Mm -hmm. and then it started getting a little more mixed reviews from people for who saw it early and i was like okay this is a little interesting i guess i'll just have to see it myself and see what i think and i didn't I didn't love it. <laughs> I didn't love it. I wouldn't even really say I liked it. I liked parts of it. I would give it a solid 5.5 out of 10. Well, what what parts <laughs> what parts of jeez. <laughs> the the rating just hit. <laughs> um can you at least go over some of the positives anyway yeah. that you saw out of it? Yeah. I mean, of course, Joaquin is great. He's he's one of genuinely one of the best living actors working actors right now <laughs> but uh you know he 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 makes the definitely makes the most out of the, the material he's given he's able to make a lot of the very on the nose kind of exposition dumpy dialogue sound at least semi natural i guess and he's just he just looks the part you know seeing him on screen is is it's magnetic you know he just draws yeah. your eye and there are a lot of well not a lot there's several scenes that really get more out there in terms of just kind of more abstract and artsy in the trailers when it shows him dancing there's like two or three key points in the film where it's just him dancing with like the music and they're support they're they're kind of like these transitionary points for where he goes deeper and deeper into his own madness psychosis kind of, yeah psychosis i guess is a better um, term and those actually work pretty well um mm-hmm. because you know the biggest weak point of this film is is the writing it's the dialogue it's how characters talk about the themes so bluntly and when that's not in the scene you know when it's just him dancing everything about him is conveyed through this like interpretive dancing and it actually works pretty well um 
and that's when the direction kind of shines through like at like the midway point where he kind of becomes the joker he like mm. he goes off his meds and he embraces what he is they're one of the dance numbers like ends with him just in this grimy disgusting new york subway bathroom and it kind of ends with him doing this little ballet thing and looking at himself in the mirror with the messy runny clown paint and that actually worked really well um but it's all the stuff in between that just (laughs) that just drags it down yeah it's first of all it's it's obviously trying to say important things it's yeah. these are very important topics themes uh people are a great deal of people are or feel you know either cast out of or isolated from society from you know like everybody else somehow has it figured out why is it not working for me sort of you know kind of mentality and then of course mental illness which is a very huge topic which is very important and it's trying to talk about those, but it just comes across as inauthentic because I just don't think Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, who was the co-writer, really ever tried to do any actual research on specifics of this. I think they were just kind of like, mental illness is a really important issue and we're going to write about it. Yeah, through the Joker character. Yeah, and the way that comes across, though, is just, it's so superficial and just kind of like a blanket term like there's a scene where he's learning about his mom and literally the whole scene is just the guy who was working in the with the records opens her file and he just starts reading off these mental conditions like oh it it looks like here she had a psychotic delusions and neuro paranoia blah 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 and it's just he just lists these things off and it's i don't know it just it really rings hollow and yeah, I don't that that's that's the reoccurring thing is that just you watch it you can't really describe it until you see it but it just it doesn't really seem like Todd Phillips like has any personal experience with any of this stuff. Right. Um he didn't really consult with people who have experience with any of this stuff. It almost seems like he's just kind of going down a list checking off boxes of things that are going to really make Arthur's life just miserable. Sure. Those check boxes to yeah, like Make oh, him he, get us close to the his, Joker. Is... His mom is kind of crazy. His mom Check. doesn't love him. Check. He had he was had an abusive childhood. Check. But you know, all of these things are very real like real things that happen to people all the time. Yeah. But it's the way that this movie goes about presenting it as just sort of like like a formula, you know? It's it just it doesn't it doesn't work. It you see right through it. But the movie is just trying to be so, Mm -hmm. so self-important. Like, we're, like, patting itself on the back. Like, we're the first to really have, start this conversation. Yeah. And it's like, you you really don't get it. It's it's so much deeper than this. Just because you're acknowledging it in the most broad terms doesn't mean you're actually saying anything about it. It's it's kind of sounding like it's telling us that these are... Yeah, hard it's, issues, but it's not showing. It's us like, hey guys, guess what? There, are, are. there are some, there are mentally ill people who society hates. Doesn't that suck? Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's horrible. What are you saying about that? It's like, no, it's just horrible. But right? it's bad. <laughs> and but an, a thing that I should also clarify is, um, 
very blunt on the nose kind of things can work if like the universe kind of is established that way because gotham city has always been you know a character of its own that's kind of a cliche to say but but it is gotham city has always been kind of its own character it's a it's a very seedy crime-ridden place where people are just awful in it yeah certainly Um, it's a huge part of just the batman universe Mm -hmm. and so if the movie handled that better i could see how you know everybody treats arthur just like crap because that's just how gotham is you know it's a very exaggerated version of what happens to a city when you know the evil or the the maliciousness runs rampant without anybody doing anything about it it could it could very well have worked like that but they don't build gotham up any more than just like two clips on the news where it says like the garbage is spilling out of the buildings and there are super rats in the sewers that's all we know about gotham so gotham just doesn't recycle yeah gotham's just a really <laughs> dirty place they just need they and just need street cleaners it goes from <laughs> that and those two things are like within a couple scenes of each other so it's like okay gotham is it's kind of a dirty place and then there's a scene where one of his coworkers who was also like a clown he's like it's a, it's a, it's horrible out there you yeah, got to protect yourself and he then works he gives for him a clown business yeah, right yeah it's okay. it's weird seeing him like interact with other people but uh his this random guy who you don't know at all it doesn't it's not really established that he's friends with arthur because you would think that everybody at work is kind of weirded out by arthur sure but he's Even just ran clown standards yeah <laughs> this guy's like it's it's you're like you gotta watch your back out there here take this and he gives him like a revolver yeah. just out of nowhere and when that happens you know it's just like oh this is what happens with with mentally ill people you yeah, know it's really easy to get guns yeah. And it's like, it's just so out of nowhere. It's like, okay, I guess he has a gun now. Like mm-hmm. that, it happened. He has it now. And then just the, there's just so many leaps where like all of, like I said, it goes from lots of garbage in Gotham, really big rats in the sewers of Gotham. All of a sudden, everybody in Gotham is like angry at the elite class and they're taking to the streets and riding. Well, there's and, no recycling bits. <laughs> it's just such a, such a big jump. And it's again <laughs> the the biggest thing I can say about this movie is, is there's just no subtlety whatsoever. Yeah, like to a big fault, everything is you see know, they sit you down and they spell it out for you, and the dialogue in general is just it's just it's pretty poor. I don't know. It dis- but despite the dialogue being poor, Joaquin's still able to pull it off most of the time. Most of the time, I mean, there's there. You know, there's a key scene when he goes on to Robert De Niro's character's talk show, and he just spells spells out the whole theme of the movie for like the fourteenth time, where it's like, "What do you get when you cross a mentally unstable loner that society casts out and tramples all over?" And it's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> First of all, you don't speak like this. You've never spoken like this yeah. at any point in the rest of the movie. It's like so literal and just so not how his character has ever talked or sounded before. It's, yeah. You, you got to see it to really understand just how dishonest it all kind of feels. But there's still going to be lots of people who, you know, it's going to work for them. They're yeah. going to eat it up and say, like, this is a very serious, important movie. Mm-hmm. It's talking about these serious issues, which it does. Just... It didn't ring authentic to me. Yeah. I, th- I mean... It was pretentious is the best way to put it, which 
I've said in the office here is when you go come across like like Reddit film criticism or just like you know pretentious is one of the most thrown around overused incorrectly yeah. used words um but this movie is is definitely pretentious <laughs> it's like, definitely that the defin the actual definition of pretension is uh trying like trying to come across as more important or sophisticated or important than what you're actually saying mm-hmm. you know and that's 100% what this movie is doing everything from the the original score which is the most melodramatic thing i've heard in recent memory and i love usually love like really prominent musical scores but when it's paired up against this just blunt kind of amateurish writing it just exacerbates everything and it's like oh this is kind of <laughs> cringy right now like but like i said there are good parts yeah for every good scene there's like two or three bad scenes that's funny because that's all i don't know why i thought of it but just you saying that reminds me of like my viewing experience of the kitchen oh yeah yeah <laughs> for every one like tolerable scene there was like three others that were just yeah. like not helping its case which happens but it's frustrating no, yeah like i said the best scenes are when it's pretty much just the just arthur before you yeah know, before, just before Joaquin. he comes joker mm-hmm. whether it be him dancing or him sitting at home like watching the robert de niro's character show yeah. fantasizing you know some of those things work they're still pretty blunt but at least you're not hearing the dialogue of him interacting with people because that's really where it yeah it's just not nearly as nuanced as these themes are mm-hmm. and so it just comes across as somebody who doesn't really have anything to say about it but they want to be seen as you know sophisticated because they're willing to at least like acknowledge them okay um well it's that's a bit frustrating to hear hopefully yeah. i at least get a different experience than you out of yeah that. no i'm really curious to see what you yeah what you think um it, it's it's also kind of funny because initially like with this movie like there was talks of this movie at film festivals having eight minutes standing ovations yeah, won the top from, prize at venice it's like what goes from winning awards <laughs> and then suddenly like it just starts kind of slowing down to where it's like joaquin's good well, but it's not there are very much otherwise, very along big, with what you're saying there are very big differences in how a lot of european film criticism sees things than american mm-hmm. so that's why i'm really interested to kind of I want to look into who was kind of on the jury at the Venice Film Festival and sure. see if I can find their specific individual takes on it. Yeah, because uh, you know maybe they're seeing something I'm not seeing. Yeah, but if I would if I were to boil it down, it's a pretentious movie that points out a lot of things, but is just not capable or willing to actually try and actually you know mm-hmm. say anything about it. Well, that's also. Um kind of fr- frustrating on a general spectrum because so many people have been hearing like stay away from this movie this movie might make you yeah, do this bad movie things is so this not movie worth, is dangerous and it's this like movie is well, so not worth the controversy yeah. surrounding I mean, it initially that's what we were thinking initially like in the end like it's, it's any a, movie could be controversial yeah. any movie could have someone maybe and could this, have someone this character out. i mean incels are not gonna see themselves in this in this movie you don't think like so? that that was one of the big like arguments that people were championing is like this movie's going to empower incels or you know these mentally mm-hmm. ill people to commit mass shootings or something and they this is not that type of person 
Well, like, it it comes across as a very out of touch mm-hmm. older guy who has who knows nothing about internet culture. Who's like <laughs> he's like these these types of people are out there. I know about them. Yeah. This is what they are. And it's like, dude, no, <laughs> no, ah, it's just that is not what that. You are. It's so much deeper than that. Right. Right. So much more complicated than that. Well, I'm sure there's still theater owners and managers that are going to be nervous about showing this movie oh, yeah. and and still be cautious of course like still be prepared um, all because of the media safe. hype around it sure i mean which is frustrating but if you still feel concerned like that's very fair and make the your theater this as safe as possible um oh, yeah. but if you trust eric's word a lot since listening to us i we might be okay if it's you find yourself anxious okay. or like nervous like maybe if you're in a bigger city or just you're more anxious about like the possibility of something happening going to see this movie just stay home it's not worth it <laughs> it's really <laughs> not worth it just stay home so you're saying maybe people could go see this if they would like to but if you're it's not nothing feeling special it, it's nothing special sure the only thing going for it is that it's different than like batman v superman or justice league you know, yeah, it's not. It's, mo- it's, it's, it's not, a very serious move, comic book movie. It's more uh, deep than uh, a blockbuster, a usual it's blockbuster. Tra- yeah, I mean, it's it's trying to be. Trying to be. It's right. trying to be. Right. Well, <laughs> I think if we let Eric go on any longer, he's gonna blow a gasket. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, he's gone on long enough for his. Like feelings there's gonna be a lot movie. of hot takes for a long time to come, but I think so too. This, I'm really curious to see how it how it does come award season. Because, you know, like me, like or my personal opinion, yes, Joaquin is really good. I don't think it's really anywhere close to his best performance Maybe because not, of no. the material he was given. What do you think his is? Uh, probably. Just out of curiosity. Probably The Master is my favorite mm-hmm. Joaquin okay. Phoenix performance. Yeah. But, you know, you can only make this amateur so-so writing so much better than it actually is. And it's. Total props, Joaquin, because he did about as good as you could, mm-hmm. if not more, with this stuff. But at the end of the day, there were there were just too many moments in the film where the words coming out of his mouth just they they're almost laughable. Yeah, I mean, I could probably see him being able to land a nomination for many awards just because it's Joaquin. Oh yeah, and, no, and I'm that's sure like he'll, the only I'm great sure he'll be nominated for movie. Best Actor. I'm very confident he yeah. will. I mean, even though it's still very early, but. I think it's not too far-fetched. I'm just more curious about the movie itself because, you know, the past two or three Venice Film Festival winners have all at least been nominated for Best Picture. The past mm-hmm. or Shape of Water ended up winning Best Picture. So I'm wondering if this is going to be been nominated for the Academy Award Best Picture. I'm not sure either. I mean, I would say it probably has less of a chance only because with the past winners, like, they kept their strong word of mouth, at least from a critic's standard yeah whereas with this one i've seen a dip like it still has pretty much great or pretty solid responses anyway yeah it's like but you, to positive. there is still a trajectory to where it's dipping in how much people like as compared to the start of uh when it was being shown when yeah. joker was being shown so that's yeah. just yeah it's not what like, i think is possible it's not a bad movie but there's just so many questionable and cringy moments that dominate the good stuff so you kind of come out of the movie like oh that was that was kind of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, that's a bit disappointing, and hopefully people have different opinions about it too. Hopefully people like it more than Eric did, myself included. I'm really hoping because <laughs> I've been a little bit hesitant about this movie for yeah, a while. No, yeah, you were hesitant for a while. I yeah, was, trailers I have was been kinda, selling me more. I was kind of laughing at myself after I saw it because I was like so confident. I was like, yeah, I I feel like it's going to be good. Like, yeah. But then Which Todd Phillips kind of started shooting himself in the foot with this press tour right up until the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And that kind of colored a lot the way a lot of people saw it, myself included. And yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll hear what you have to say on Monday. Yeah, we'll but see about that. That's um, all I have to say on that. Anyway, sure. let's get away from this Joker talk to talk <laughs> more about Joker. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, uh, not necessarily Joker, but Joker's... Um, cohort or uh girlfriend harley quinn because her yeah. <laughs> official standalone ish movie dropped a trailer this past week birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn great job saying that <laughs> title because i didn't want to say the full thing yeah um i thought that looked yeah that I mean we're talking about the trailer right now it's kind of the biggest trailer that came out this week we yeah figured we'd give it kind of a highlight mm-hmm. um i've on record saying suicide squad is probably my most hated superhero movie of all time rightfully I so i hate it I understand. I hate it. I think it's terrible. It's not I good. I hate Jared Leto's, Jared Leto's Joker. I missed. But, you know, one of the things that pretty much nobody can deny is that Margot Robbie was pretty darn good as Harley Quinn. The best I would part. say, yeah, she was She was yeah. absolutely the highlight of the movie. Perfect casting, perfect portrayal of the character, mm-hmm. like the, the standout. And so this movie is being marketed as... About the Birds of Prey, which is kind of like... I don't know enough about them. What, it, um, basically, it's a group of solo uh superhero or super villain characters and they have their own team ups like they have a lot of comics uh under that title so you see a lot of characters together like um Batgirl or Black Canary, Huntress, uh, a lot of them are Batman characters. The thing is like, that it's like a female group though, right? It's a female group of superheroes and supervillains. Yeah. Okay. Um so yeah, that's kind of the premise of this movie is they all kind of have their own reasons to come together. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I'm sure there'll be comparisons like this is just female Suicide Squad, but uh, stylistically, I can see um, to a point. But yeah, it's a very stylized trailer. <laughs> like the yes. colors and the the marketing and everything, it's it's having it's a lot vibe. of fun. Very vibrant. Yeah, neo gothic vibe. <laughs> uh, they're definitely centering or focusing on Harley Quinn, which you know makes sense from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, I'm wondering how much, um, how big of a role the other actresses will have in it i'm hoping it's more of an ensemble thing yeah i do too um despite me loving the character like i am really curious to see these other female characters just because of how they look of how they're acting and interacting with harley throughout the trailer so i would like to see more of them ewan mcgregor looks pretty great oh my gosh he's the villain black he stood out to me the most in that trailer he's just (laughs) so good he is. I was laughing at the me and my girlfriend were laughing in the theater because you know you don't you don't see too much ewan mcgregor like when you do, it's kind of like, oh yay! But like, when yeah, when he movie. does though, but we saw back to back trailer. It was Doctor Sleep than this, and oh, she just started okay. laughing. Like this is I have never seen so much Ewan McGregor. At one, he's at coming one back, one man. <laughs> or <laughs> but, he, you know, he looks laughed, sadistic. But... He looks just totally, just psychotic. I mean, for a second, he made me think like he could be a good Joker. I mean, I like that he's <laughs> in this movie with this character, but I, I mean, I think he could have pulled it off if they gave yeah, him. Yeah, there need to be a lot less Jokers going forward. Well, I, <laughs> no maybe, more that's, jokers. maybe that's the case. No more jokers. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I have, see what you're saying, though. Did you have more thoughts about the trailer at no, all? No, I mean, I again, I'm just so unfamiliar with with the IP. Sure. Um, it's 
I'm curious to see how Kathy Yan, I think is her last name. Yeah. How she directs it because she, her last movie, The Writer, was... Um, Christina Hodson. Oh, that's a different... I'm I'm getting her mixed up. Oh, uh, okay. Lore, Lore was her other movie. And that was like really a really acclaimed kind of smaller more ambitious yeah. artsy indie movie from a couple of years back. So mm-hmm. again, it's that transition of you find this independent filmmaker who had one or two really acclaimed small films and give them a blockbuster superhero budget. Let's see how they do. But I'm confident. I like the I like the tone. I like the hyper hyper stylized feel of the movie. Yeah. And Margot Robbie looks as great as ever in the in the role. Mhm. So yeah, she certainly does. Um I do like the vibe of uh, this trailer that's giving off, it, it is like an IP that many people aren't going to be recognized with, which makes sense why Harley Quinn is so much in the center of all this. Um, I think down the road we'll see more of these other characters in trailers or whatever, but uh, I think for right now, people love Margot Robbie and people love Harley Quinn, and I think they can get behind this character in this uh, type of movie. Yeah. So. Uh, we just need to see a bit more of it, of course. Like trailers just only give you a snippet of things, but it's it's selling me enough when it was a movie that I had no idea of what to expect anyway. Mm-hmm. As I think will be the same with many other people. Yeah, so keep an eye on Birds of Prey. Yeah, uh, that trailer is up at SilverScreenInsider.com, by the way, as well as a bunch of posters that uh, debuted this week as well. So uh, yeah, you can just get a head feel over for there. The just very very colorful feel. <laughs> yeah, just if you guys want a feel of it, or if you want um, any sort of information about the movie coming out in February, I believe. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so news items. Did you want to talk about Clerks Three? I know it's, it's not. Oh on yeah, our I didn't put that on the here, paper. But oh yeah, just it's fine. I, I love I love Clerks so much. Yeah. Um, so it's a small little story, but a couple years ago, Kevin Smith, you know directed clerks it's kind of a legendary indie film story everybody kind of knows about yeah. but clerks 3 he anou- he announced clerks 3 a couple of years back he said that he had completed the script it was the best script he'd ever written he was really excited it was going to be this poignant kind of emotional culmination of the the story of clerks 1 and clerks 2 mm-hmm. but then shortly afterwards um jeff anderson who plays randall in those in the movies uh kind of backed out i guess at the time it just kind of seemed like he was a little self-conscious of being so typecast and he didn't really like people saying randall quotes to him in public he he, you know he's not really a big actor he was he's not really he just wasn't that kind of person he didn't like it and he's like no man i don't want to do that again and so without him you can't really make a clerks movie so clerks 3 was effectively canceled Apparently after that, there was like a big falling out that I wasn't aware of until Kevin Smith spoke about it recently. But fast forward to this week, and apparently Kevin Smith and Jeff Anderson have, you know, reconciled. They forgave each other after a chance meeting at, you know, some convention. And Clerks 3 is back on. Jeff Anderson said that he's like, okay, yeah, I can do this because Kevin Smith pitched him a new idea. Mm -hmm. So Kevin Smith has just begun work on a brand new script, which is... You know, it's curious to me because he said the last one was the best script he'd ever written. He was very passionate sure. about what he had done. So I'm wondering how many elements of that will still make their way into this script or if he's just going completely fresh. But I just I saw that and I got kind of excited because I like the Clerks movies a lot. Um, and I feel like at this point in Kevin Smith's life, because he's he's had a lot of big life changing moments. He's had a lot, his perspective oh, yeah. on a lot of things totally um rearranged and he seems very reflective and a lot more you know 
mature, kind of sentimental, I guess. And I'm definitely really, I'm yeah. really curious to see how that translates into the third and probably final Clerks movie. Which makes me totally okay that um he's probably gonna be writing like a brand new script and a brand new mm-hmm. story. Like not only is he at a state in his life to where it will ref- reflect his career a lot better, but also like probably match up a bit better with the times. Like because there's movies where uh, if one finally gets released, you can kind of see in the writing, like, ooh, this was made a yeah. couple of years oh, yeah. ago. Yeah. So despite, like, <laughs> that previous script probably being the best he's ever written, maybe it wasn't going to work for yeah, the Yeah, why couldn't this one be now. better, you know? Yeah, ex- and this one could be better. We just don't know. But, it, no, it's nice to see him uh, where he's at in his career and uh, him being able to make amends with a friend, especially after, like you said, um what he had to go through in terms of that massive heart attack that was oh yeah near life ending yeah. <laughs> um we would have lost a great talent for sure and a great guy so that glad to see him being able to go back to uh these projects trying to make stuff new from old and just being able to enjoy what he loves doing making yeah. movies no, he announced that, and I keep kind of forgetting that Jay and Silent Bob reboot is coming out in like a week or two. Right, yeah. Um, so. I keep forgetting about that. I don't suspect it's going to be a very good movie. You know, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is not a very good movie. <laughs> a lot of Kevin Smith fans kind of, you know, they like it. It's kind of a guilty pleasure. Sure, But sure. it's not a good movie. And I'm sure, um, like, if he listened to you saying that, he'd be like, hey, man, like, I, yeah, I get I, it. I, <laughs> I enjoy it. I like to watch it, but it's not a good movie. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, And that's kind of how I think this Jay and Silent Bob reboot will be. But I'm just, when I heard about Clerks 3, that is, like, by far the thing that I'm focusing on. Yeah. Well, there you go. If anyone's a Clerks fan out there. Um, Clerks 3 is back on the menu. Yeah, it's going to be made. So that's awesome. Good for them. Well, this next one that next this next uh, headline kind of was your thing. You found you found out about this. So oh, stop! Give me give me the rundown. What's going on with Apple TV and how they're gonna distribute their original content, their movies? Uh, yeah. So Wall Street Journal um, released an article last week. Uh, we weren't able to talk about it on the podcast. Like it just came right after we dropped the podcast episode. But um, basically, last week Wall Street Journal came out with an article explaining that. Apple TV Plus is planning on um, releasing their films that they make themselves not only or that they distribute themselves not only uh, to their service, but also to theaters. And they're planning on doing the same way that Amazon Studios does by um, agreeing to the terms that theater chains set up to have like the three month uh, window of when. Yeah, where it's not streaming. Yeah, yeah. where it's not streaming. It's only it's playing in theaters. theaters the yeah. traditional way, the good old way. Um, And, and they're doing this. um. Pretty much just because they don't want any backlash from um, theater chains, kind of like what's happening with Netflix, uh, yeah. <laughs> as they strive for. And then they're they're also just uh, hoping that this will attract like big name directors and producers. Uh, so probably like yeah, the, the classics like Scorsese's or the Spielbergs try to get them. Yeah, to well, do I mean, all of those, those projects, all of those like really talented, very serious like auteur filmmakers or producers or mm-hmm. you know big name talent. A lot of them are very. They they truly believe in the traditional communal yeah uh, experience yeah. of seeing a movie for the first time in a theater with a bunch of strangers. You all get in a dark room and go on this journey together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's commendable. That's that's an admirable thing that they're doing. Yeah. Um. On top of that, it looks like the types of movies that they're going to be making are going to be trying to reach for awards caliber status, which is why uh, it seems like there's going to be moving forward with producing all of their stuff with A24. Or A24 is going to be producing oh, the really? movies they distribute. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, which I thought that part was pretty interesting, but it mostly just makes me happy that a streaming service, and especially a service 
made from Apple who loves, you know, having money in many ways that they can. <laughs> who no have, offense. Like, like it, next to Disney have like infinite money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's nice to see them being like, hey, let's like pay respect to theater chains or at least to maybe small theaters if this goes over well, if this plan goes over well, and let's give them um, our movies and see if they play well because Amazon Studios does it this way and they find moderate success. They're not all big giant hits, but they're also not stories or movies to where it's supposed to be giant hits, but just mm-hmm. moderate success levels. Um, so if they stay with that format, I think Apple TV Plus um, releasing in theaters should be able to hold up just fine. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited to see what they have. It'll be cool to see like you said, a, a a studio or at least a company with that much money and that much like ability to finance these projects to kind of put a focus on these more mid-tier, maybe more you know dramatic movies. You know, they're not going to just try and make their own superhero big blockbuster things because right. there's, there's quite a bit of those already. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, uh, just it also makes me happy that we're not going to be hearing more horror stories about streaming wars at least from this, this isn't story a movie. Anyway. this shouldn't compete in the Oscars. yeah exactly blah, 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 i don't blah, blah, blah. i don't want to keep going through that so i'm happy that a streaming service <laughs> well, at least you're being gonna like, be going through that here with netflix Oscars. at least yeah, yeah true yeah, but at least anywhere. at least this service is trying to not be look like the bad guys and it's just being like hey let's just agree yeah. to their terms like it works for amazon studios and we're making the same type of stuff that they will or maybe better stuff i don't know but we're, we're at least going to follow their their example so well done by apple tv plus i gotta give them credit for doing that mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess we really only have one last story to talk about this one actually you also just brought up to me but i thought that this one was cool yeah it's really I, interesting um i guess i'll let you kind of summarize it um this story is so cool to me but i don't know why other outlets aren't running with it more yeah. like i only have seen it on Hollywood reported because they're the ones reporting interesting it. Interesting look into the passage of time. Yeah, um, it seems lately that a lot of authors or um, creators of some properties, such as uh, Friday the Thirteenth or Terminator or things, made basically mid late eighties, mid late eighties, very 80s, very which iconic is cool, franchises. which is the cool thing now. Reboot that stuff, right? Oh yeah, eighties <laughs> forever. But those creators of those type of properties from 35 years ago are finding a clause that was made back in the 70s where um, after a few decades, like authors are allowed to have those rights being taken back to them from studios. Yeah, like, okay, guys, you had your you had your time. This is my thing, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking it back now. So this first started happening with um, the creator of Friday the 13th. He was able to get his rights back from a studio. I can't remember. Oh, he's already gotten them back? I believe he's already gotten nice. it back. Um, it's starting to become really more noticed because it's starting to happen with the Terminator franchise, and mm-hmm. especially with Terminator Dark Fate about to be coming out. Like, that may throw a cock in the wrench for Paramount Studios. Yeah, well, I read in that article, you know, Terminator comes out, I think, November 1st. Yeah. But the deal or the clause on the, the Terminator property um, expires next November. It's like November of 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll get to this later in the story, but that does make me wonder if um, Paramount's going to be like, Okay, let's let's come on, let's let's pump out let's pump out at least one more so we can one more Terminator get the last little juice out of it before we lose these rights. It's possible. I mean, Paramount already did that with the release of Pet Cemetery er- earlier this year because mm, yeah, they I didn't had know a, that, that that's why they made it. Yeah, they had um, a termination letter being sent over to them saying like, "Hey, you're gonna lose the rights to Pet Cemetery and 
X amount of time and they go, all right, well, let's make a Pet Cemetery movie yeah. so that way we can, yeah. <laughs> so that's why that happened, but um, there's it's looking a quote like... in there. They said, oh, go ahead. It's, yeah. it's, it's the kind of, it's a use it or lose it philosophy. Oh, yeah, I see what it. Because they, they're like, well, technically we have we have two years um, before we ha- before we actually lose it. So it's also not a surprising thing for studios to do. I mean, that awful Fantastic Four movie from a couple of years ago, (laughs) they made that movie mostly because. Yeah. um, Dude, if we don't do anything with this this license, we're going to lose it forever. Yeah. Well, just just make something so we can. Instead, they lost their studio. So (laughs) sorry, that was really mean. (laughs) Um, But this is this is starting to become a lot more noticeable because termination um letters are start or notices are starting to be given out to um disney who has who framed roger rabbit they have mm-hmm. the rest of that movie so that could be taken back from them um the writers of or the screenwriter of beetlejuice is about to get his his that movie back from uh warner bros as well so um and it looks like predator and nightmare on elm street could be possibilities of this happening too so yeah, all these iconic 80s series yeah <laughs> which are again 80s reboot type things are really big right now and studios are trying to do it but if creators are seeing how studios are handling it kind of poorly or not as well as they would like already or if they yeah. just want the <laughs> money back or their own or, or their own stuff just to be back in their hands like, yeah, I don't again want you to keep making these crappy versions yeah. of these you're kind of yeah so maybe this will be a sign that we'll be seeing a lot of these type of properties being fast-tracked by studios. Yeah, there's one or the two possibilities, future. I guess. Like either one, all of a sudden, every new movie, I mean, even more than it already is, is yeah. a reboot, sequel, prequel, soft reboot, reimagining. A lot quicker remake than normal. Of these franchises and a last-ditch effort to make a couple bucks before they lose the rights. Or they don't act on it, and then maybe we'll see less of these sorts of reboots, prequels, re whatever going down in the future i think there's a i think there's a possible third option too and that's um if these creators are able to get the rights back to their properties then it's possible that they will look elsewhere to uh, yeah. have their stuff fully realized maybe in better who's gonna do this version better? and they will be looking at streaming services uh especially netflix yeah. i think that's a very real possibility i think they'll probably see that uh, maybe for their properties that a television format works better and they'll be going towards these services like a Netflix or yeah, like maybe a, a CBS type All Access thing. or even Amazon Studios um, not make them into movies but into television shows. It's very – I think yeah, that's a very possible situation. So – and that would be kind of rough if that happens because I would – I think that would be cool to have some of these as television series. But I also like having lots of content being given to me at theaters and I like yeah. – I, and I like – uh, creators still trying things as a movie format too mm-hmm. no i'm just my idealistic perfect world is that you know it's just it's finally time okay guys we made a lot of these reboots we made a lot of money off of it but it's finally time we start making our own stuff again oh i'm right there with you like i because that would be awesome i I'm, I, I mean i like franchises i like blockbusters too but at the end of the day though like it does get tiring people especially, can make new franchises especially if they're poor too like if these yeah. <laughs> franchises being rebooted are very poor to begin with then it's like well why not go look elsewhere instead yeah. of like trying to make something that's already beaten dead <laughs> fingers crossed for fresh content in the future yeah really i mean that that's basically what we have to say about that but i i am still 35 surprised. years you know all those all all those 80 thing 80s things expiring that's that's crazy and if that clause still 
continues. If it doesn't change, then we will see that with like things in the nineties or yep. things even <laughs> in the early two thousands, and that's Ish. scary to think of. So, are like early two thousand movies like old now? Probably. I guess like two thousand, yeah, because that's like twenty years. Twenty yeah. years is a good, I'd say, a good amount of time to a call of, something old. Does it seem like a lot of early two thousands movies don't age well? No, that's what I'm saying. It's weird, like because like in the two thousands you watch movies and you can just tell that they're older movies. Yeah, but now you're seeing if you go back and watch these movies that look totally normal. Now they look like they're just you know older movies. Yeah, they just look. They yeah, they just not look all older, of them. Some of them age bad. really well, but a yeah. lot of them are just kind of like. Not even just not even how the the characters speak or the sto- types of stories that are told or how they look, like wardrobe wise, but just the look of how they're filmed. Yeah, it's like this is this is older now. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. So, it's I mean, that's changing. That's also a big possibility that we're gonna see stuff like that happen too. Um, and again, like I am so weirded out that not a lot of outlets are running with this story. Yeah, I mean, it's or at least talking about. I it. guess it's a lot of numbers and a lot of like legal stuff. Maybe but still, maybe this once it's kind of a big deal, right? I would, I, I thought so. Yeah, maybe when that's why more we're talking things, about it. <laughs> maybe when more things start actually happening, like oh, this they actually did. They actually are pumping out one last Terminator movie, or they actually are blah, blah blah. That's true though. If we suddenly hear like, hey, Paramount doesn't have um, uh, Terminator franchise anymore, then I think that's when it's gonna people are gonna be like, yeah. wait, how did the what are you? And then people are gonna be like, well, if you. <laughs> Or at least Hollywood Reporter is going to be like, look at this, because that's um, the ones that are writing this exclusive. Yeah. Um, so it was just interesting, and uh, I don't know if you need to keep an eye out on if that's going to change at all, but it's at least worth mentioning. Yeah, time's passing, and things are things are expiring. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's, all right. that's the last story we had, really. Perfect. Um, Joker is really the only new movie coming out this week, I think. The only, at least, mm-hmm. wide, major new release. Um, I mean, you you heard my thoughts on it, but I'm sure everybody who sees it's going to have something a little bit different to say. I don't want to be overly negative about it. I just mm-hmm. feel like you know it it it's def- it feels very amateurish in a lot of ways. Um, but it doesn't realize how amateurish it is. It's just it thinks it's something very serious and artistic. That but being said, it's going to open big. It's going to expect huge. big numbers. Yeah, it made it it. It broke Venom's early show record last night. I think it made like 13, 13 and a half million or something. Yeah, that's what Thursday I read. Night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's on track for like 80 plus million domestic opening, uh, which, you know, would break Venom's record. I can't remember Venom's specific record off the top of my head, but when it does that, and it will, it will officially be the highest October opening weekend in history, I believe. Well, I normally Leave if it I super, heard all records are broken by superhero yeah. movies. <laughs> Every single record is. Yeah. I mean, normally with when it comes to Venom, I would be more happy to hear that, but then again, <laughs> I'm very nervous about how I think of Joker, so maybe yeah. I'll come back and be like, "You know what? Venom wasn't that bad." <laughs> yeah. Just message me after you see it. Just, be, just a quick little like Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying or like Yeah. I see what you're saying, but I I bought it a little more. No, I'm definitely you know, I'm, gonna be talking to you after this movie. For this sure. is no hill I'm gonna die on, but it's it's eye opening to see how many people like on their immediate reaction. It's like, oh my god, this is the most like this is the deepest thing I've ever this seen. This is amazing. This it's is so deep. It's like no. And then I come no, into the office. No. And I'm like, it was so amazing. <laughs> Best picture 2019. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, go see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. The controversy around it, again, I feel like was way overblown. The movie is nowhere near worth the controversy. Yeah. Um, but again, stay home if you're worried. It's not worth it. And in case if you're not uh, 
sure about what this controversy is. Uh, we have last week's podcast available, and we talked a lot about um, what's happening with the controversy yeah. about this movie and like what you should do. Um, if you should be cautious about it or be uh, have any concern, that's all there in case if you're uh, curious. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's pretty much everything. Yeah. So, again, uh, thank you guys for listening. And like I said earlier, our podcast is um, available with many other episodes on all podcast platforms or on silverscreeninsider.com, where you can also find um, all those discussion points that we just had up on our site, as well as an entire movie database uh, filled with all the information needed to uh, run a theater smoothly. Yeah. Awesome. Have a good weekend, guys. All right. Everyone be safe. Have fun. Peace.